Welcome to Interscription. In a rather uncharacteristic move for we, the stewards of your consumable content, Rich and I spend the majority of this week's episode discussing Sony's PlayStation Showcase for 2023. We cover the highs and lows of the announced games and the lows of the announced hardware. Oh, and a quick stop on why Nate sucks. Thanks for staying on this road with us. And that's it. Now we're on, dude. Now all of our dad anger can be channeled into a recording medium. That's it. Now we are we are going to have an a pure crystalline prepackaged version of our hate and anger towards all the things that all dads hate that can be shipped to a place and sold. Can we sell it? Yeah, I think we can. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that it's going to be um, a limited range of products that we're going to market here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's going to be those industrial, like school and prison grade, like plastic boxes with the key that they put over the thermostat. That's like not even attractive or locking it out. It's just like this big blast, like plastic square shadow box that says, yeah, you can fucking see what I said it at and you can't come near it. That's right. That's right. Go I'm ask sure those somebody. Are like bulletproof too. Like they are not messing around. Dads do not want this. It was set on heat, dude. Just heat. Heat. It's heat. a heat and cool unit. So it was like so. Normally we just leave it like the Equibees or the Nests at like a range mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. let it figure out whether or not it should be heating or cooling. Like That's right. I want it to be in this comfort range. Mm-hmm. And if mm-hmm. it's hotter than that, then make it cooler. And if it's cooler than that, then make it warmer. So somebody actually went in and turned off the whole thing that makes that work and said, you can't have any of this cooling nonsense here in this mixed unit in May. Let's make sure it is on heat only and pumped. Probably because when they went to just turn the temperature up to whatever obscene 75 they wanted to, the Ecobee was like, I'm sorry, I can't do that, Dave. I mean, I'm sure it wasn't Dave. I'm... It was not Pos- positive. It was nobody who has been, could be, will ever be a dad. That's true. That's right. That's right. I, I, I'm, I'm thinking. <laughs> I'm just thinking of your office as like those '80s cartoons where like hell was always just like red walls with fire like jetting out of places. Too. Like it's just that's what it looks like in your office. That's Every it. vent is just there's and, just fire coming out. And the only thing that I have, I mean, the only reason we're talking about this is because I was just going to run this fan behind me so that I could survive the podcast. And unfortunately that's a twin Cessna model. Um, (laughs) I really did think that you had a plane that crashed into your office and you just decided to leave it there and uh, leave it running. Yeah. So, but we're good. The AC is running and I'm only modestly sweating through this. So we'll, um, We'll get through it, and I will deal with the righteous indignation of people touching my thermostat tomorrow. Pass keys That's for it. everyone. That's it. Pass keys for everyone. You're. Uh, I mean, I think I, I'm. I don't know what you said it to, but I'm going to guess tentatively that you're going to be on the onset of hypothermia in like 25 minutes or so. <laughs> just. That's right. Just, I, I hear it's a very pleasant way to podcast. I, I think so too. I think so too. So uh, hopefully the uh, the noise limiters we have are going to take out the teeth chattering that you, you have coming on. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna make it work. We're gonna make it work. So the other thing while we're while we're sitting around being mad at shit, right? You uh, you have a 
a uh, audio toy that you play with on your desk there sometimes burn off ner- nervous energy play with that yes. a little bit um, and kind of do that and uh, you very responsibly unplug it when we start potting because <laughs> you're just just that's right s- spectrum all over the place with some <laughs> with some with some music playing when, when I'm trying to talk so I uh, super appreciate your uh, restraint in this moment um, and uh, I it it reminded me of yet another terrible thing about Ted Lasso, which is that the 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 shitty, useless character that is Nate uh, had a moment in this last episode that uh, I was told was the finale. Definitely not the finale. And and that episode, he was playing a violin. Uh-huh. Yeah. But he wasn't playing a fucking violin. It was an awful terrible patch of a violin that was kind of working okay for a minute and like they even sort of fooled me for a second because he was like you know kind of half tuning it at first and whatever Uh uh and then it just sweeps into this like you know montage of other scenes and him playing the violin and we see other scenes and we're all supposed to be very emotional and blah, blah, blah. And you know fuck it and wasn't what they thought it was going to be. But then there's like this like stop like there's this almost record scratch moment where he has to stop playing and they couldn't even fade out the the thing they just took their hand off the keyboard that was actually the patch of the violin and you could just hear it like that 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 artificial stop i think that's where patches like kind of lose it is like there's a there's an acoustic um decay that happens with acoustic instruments right and like violins guitars etc and so forth and like sometimes patches uh you know it w- when they're recreated digitally for you know uh instruments you know i'm sure you've run into this a lot even with some really good patches that sometimes that release of that note is where it sort of loses it a little bit there's like a digital recreation of that decay that makes it very clear that it is not actually an instrument yeah yeah it, it, that was really obvious i mean the continuum that i futz around with like really made the effort to solve that i'm sure they weren't bothering to do that because at that level there was zero reason not to have a violin player on a soundstage just matching the scene right like they have a budget like that's not even that expensive to bring in a studio musician for an afternoon to just play the part and then you don't have to worry about any of this um the continuum and the um osmos um i forget what it's called you are aware of it like that other mpe keyboard that just came out they try to address that by capturing release velocity in addition Mm -hmm. to down so how quickly you pull up or not pull up like they also measure that so a good patch designer theoretically could solve for that and make the decay work based on you're moving your hand the same way a violinist would lift, you know, if they were doing a hard stop or kind of like a slap up or, you know, just slowly muting the string as they're picking up. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, they didn't do that. Uh, the good news is um, I think Nate is redeemable. That scene is not. Mm. Yeah, I hope so. I th- I see that they're trying real hard like after just making him like this one note idiot with that literally wears a suit in all black <laughs> to this games like that's how you know he's a villain like he couldn't grow the goatee so the only thing they had left was the all black suit all black suit that, i mean it's just okay guys 
<laughs> I just, you know, want, I want to want to not see it from a mile away. And uh, but anyway, like all of a sudden, all of a sudden, like he's just like being a good dude for a full episode. And I think I'm supposed to just forgive the previous nine. Um, and uh, like, OK, I understand that that's how you're going to wrap it. So like now I'm just more cringy about the fact that I have to wait for you to to demonstrate that he's the good guy you want him to be at the end of this after this very forced turn to not be a good guy like I don't know I I hate that character I hate the turn they made for him I think it's like you know and it's just been the best parts of this last season have been the ones that don't have him in it and like and now that he's in it and like you know he's seeing the error of his ways and he's having a real tough time now you know and and like I don't know and uh, there's just a lot about it that's 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 Oh, it's just scratching at me and it, 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 it's making, making me very itchy and I, I don't uh i don't love that for that character there were some very sweet moments in this in this last one that i um will always love uh uh and rebecca i think that's a great you know uh gal friendship you know they, they do that super well and it, it's played with earnestness that i think works really really incredible um so it's just, you know, good stuff in a lot of different places here. And, uh, you know, Roy really coming into his own. I think Roy's arc is incredible. It's a lot of other good stuff going on in, in, the, in the show. Kind of, I would say, finally. Like, it's taken a little while to get to, uh, you know, the season has not been my favorite uh, by any means. But uh, it's it, there are moments that are starting to pop here and there that are feeling better. Um, and, uh, you know, so hopefully, I mean, I, I assume they have to take it in for a landing here in the next episode or two. But... Yeah, I, so you're not caught up with last night's episode, so you're one behind. Um, right. So, you know, without getting too deep into it, so the episode you watched, he um, went out to the club and then decided not to go out to the club, right? Well, that was the episode before that. Okay, this so episode this was is, him in bed all episode until he digs out a violin that that's he's right, not playing. That's right, that's right. So, I mean, I'm going to... I'm going to state a case for Nate because I don't think anybody else will. And a little bit of devil's advocate here because I think the problem with Nate is all of his devolution, all of his spiraling down and the venom that he had at Ted up until the smash cut to him being the head coach of the rival team had a lot of intrigue to it. It seemed like a redeemable, redeemable spiral down into that chaos and lashing out at the person who's loved him the most. And I actually thought in a very real way, it exposed a lot of the surface level of Ted Lasso as a character, a, a lot of the kind of just veneer of, you know, he's everybody's buddy, so he's nobody's buddy. And, you know, this is somebody who was hurting because he actually needed Ted in a more real way. And that's why, like, he felt so hurt and so betrayed and let out to dry, you know, despite going from water boy to coach and like all of the outward things that Ted did to build his career and to build him up in a very emotional way that didn't matter. So like that all made a lot of sense. But then the way they decided to turn him was to turn him into this villain to smash cut him. And instead of having black hair, he's gray and in an all black suit and he's working for the enemy and he's living that enemy life. What I will say, if you chose to give it this charitable reading is that what he got from Rupert was what he didn't get from Ted. And a lot of it comes down to that uh, relationship, that praise, that acceptance, that attention that uh, Rupert was pushing on him. And Rebecca talked about this in one of the earlier episodes about like how, you know, Rupert got her to go out with him despite being married. He just kept coming back. And like, you know, you feel like you're at the center of the universe. And so if you 
look at it in that arc and remove some of the filmmaking mistakes and some of the set piece mistakes that I think they made where they tried to recreate him in, you know, a Rupert Henchman image. I think you can get a lot more depth out of it. I think you can see a lot more that the reason for that is that he was just lapping it up and he really was another fancy car for Rupert. You know, the only reason he was there was because he was something that Rupert decided to possess and um, that it really says a lot more about him and the fact that this guy is really just a fucking plaything in a terrarium form like everything else in Rupert's life. And that's where, you know, he saw this bit of happiness, humanity coming back into Nate's life, which meant that he didn't need Rupert for all of his emotional needs. Like he didn't need Rupert for all of his acceptance because he had this woman who, for reasons that I'm still not quite sure I understand, uh, fell for him uh, because he tripped a lot and wasn't particularly charming and kind of cringy and just kept coming back and didn't accept no for an answer. But I do want to say that her stone-faced, disinterested look is the real hero of this season. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Her acting is great. Right, I mean, like, when she... And she's done it, like, she did with Rupert. She, like, has just, like, that perfect way of just, like, taking all of the energy out of the room and making you rethink all of your choices and um, standing in the face of that. But... Coming back to Nate to sort of make this case, and it's one that I'm not sure I agree with. I'm just making the most charitable case for the way they've handled this character. What you see then in that moment when, you know, he's fighting between his desire for Rupert's acceptance and love and this other thing that he's had that is growing, and he finally makes that independent decision, it's also the moment that he's realizing that the thing he was asking for from Ted wasn't an authentic thing, Mm -hmm. you know, because he sees it laid bare and he sees that that depth of adoration is just as fake as what he thought Ted was giving him. And so that pivot isn't just about leaving Rupert so he doesn't ruin his relationship. It's leaving Rupert because he's realizing that he is a rube, you know, that Mm -hmm. he's just been fucking hoodwinked this whole time because he's been emotionally weak. And then you get this kind of, mopey episode where he's going home and just like rethinking his life choices and i think this last episode carries that forward but starts to pick him up a little bit and put some of those pieces back together in a way that makes a bit more sense and takes a couple of pushes in the right direction to get him there and so i think that's what they're trying to do again Mm -hmm. i don't know that it's that successful and um i don't know if you're watching um mrs Maisel. The season I'm, at all? I'm not. I, I'm, I'm waiting for it to build up because I'm just going to rip through it in a day or two. But so I this won't spoil yet. anything. But this is like mid-season. Um, uh, character names. I haven't been keeping up with it. Uh, Tony Shalhoub's character is mm-hmm. out with his wife and a couple of friends in their kind of cohort, mm-hmm. and they just went to see a play. Um, and. He's just going off, um, Moish is just going off on, well, you know, the play is really about like his tortured relationship with Christianity and, uh, you know, this way in which, um, you know, his sexuality has gone unchallenged through his youth and the dog represents, uh, you know, his existential crisis in life. And like, as they're talking, um, his wife is like, isn't that the playwright over there? 
Like, I just thought it was a cute story about a boy and his dog. It's like, no, you know, just because you don't understand theater and you're a simpleton doesn't mean that you're a bad person. So she actually walks over and brings him over, like brings a playwright over and says, "Um, what was your play about? He said, well, when I was a little boy, I had a dog that died, you know, a little too young. It just really affected me. And I just wanted to get that out. And so like Moish is just (laughs) like fucking destroyed. And that's easily how I could be here with Nate, right? Like I'm building all of this backstory into saying like, this is clearly what they tried to do. And, uh, you know, if you look at it through this allegorical lens, then, you know, you'll get there. And it could just be that they fucking stepped on a rake in writing Nate and didn't pull it off. But I'm going to pose that that would be the charitable read of his redemption arc. I think it's a fair read for sure. I I think maybe it's just, it's probably just, I I think that that, I think that might just not have been the right character. Maybe it's just not great acting there, or maybe it's not great writing, or maybe it's a combination of those two things. I can see how one would want that to be what's happening there. I I, I hear you there. I definitely do. And I, I, I understand that like they needed a conflict coming into this season because they had no other really. Like there's so much got resolved in season two. Like, yeah, I mean what's what's left to fight about, right? Like and so they have to create a villain so that they can uncreate the villain because Ted Lasso's gonna have to end on a happy note, because of course it is, because it's popcorn TV is and I think it's great TV in a way that it transcends that in the same way that some of my favorite comedies have often transcended it. And then, and I've even talked to you offline that those first two seasons I think are just high watermarks for good comedy drama. Like I, really, really good stuff, sharp, witty writing. This season seems to be like everybody knows it. And that's the thing that like it kills me. I think like it, Apple knows that this is their darling show. They think they know what everybody liked about it and they've forgotten to just be earnest and just be honest and just be, you know, the the sweet emotional core that this thing built over the course of two seasons with some really, really good writing and acting and directing also like, like just good stuff. Um, earnestness is really the thing that I feel about that show more than anything. I think Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, as you mentioned it heretofore anyway, earnestness is a, is a great way to describe that show too, right? Like it feels like good and wholesome and warm in a way that like sometimes shows become too corny when they do that. And there's been upset and there's been loss and there's been tough times in Ted Lasso and in other shows that are, you know, uh, Mrs. Maisel has done that too in ways that like, I think still work very well. Like it doesn't mean that everything goes well all the time. It just means that there's a, there's a a sweetness to the core of what they're trying to do, which isn't to be, you know, uh, denigrated. I think that's a great uh, thing to do. We need more positivity in the world. I think that this thing has always felt shoehorned. Like it's always felt like, like it's just, they had to plunge him into the depths just to bring him back up so that they could have one more thing to do for one more season. And it's almost like they did that so that it could be the skeleton so they could hang other things on like Ted's final redemption arc and like, you know, some other thing like there, it's like they, they had other things that they really wanted to do. And so they needed kind of a thrust of a story in order to get there. Um, and I don't know, like, it's just a weird, uh, I, it probably would have been a more meandering season if they didn't have this conflict. Um, so I think that that's fair. Like, but I think there's a, like, obviously they're building to, 
you know, to uh, the the uh, the the showdown between the the two clubs, and you know, and like that's like it's just all very like telegraphed from a mile away. And I just don't think that Nate's character, whether it's because he's not a great actor or because they haven't written it very well, um, but I just don't think that he can hold the narrative you're talking about. I think that that's a good narrative, and I like what you're saying, and I want to see that show with somebody <laughs> who could do it. Like, right. uh, like that—that that feels like the right thing. Like, I, I do hear you, and I do think you could read into that here. Like, I, I would love that. I just and and it it does break my heart because there is that moment when we're talking about the violin to bring this full circle, and he you know the violin stops and he skips the violin for a second because his dad work walks in and he goes oh what the fuck you know what I mean? <laughs> like and his dad's right there kind of staring at him and there's that 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 scene between him and his dad which i think was very sweet and it was very real it was very honest it was a it was a good it was a good scene that was worked well, very well you know and I, I feel like it gave me for the first time ever for that character something that looked like texture like i felt like i actually kind of understood a little bit about who that character was for the very first time and that's kind of sad i mean we're we're sunsetting this show right like we're almost out so like it like sort of crushed me that like this is the first time i actually gave a shit about anything that happened to him when he was younger to know anything more about him or anything at all um so i don't know it's it's sort of a it shows that he could have been developed better or more it he i really think that that character could have absolutely done with a flashback episode this season like i think that would have been a great like let's fill it back in for him let's who is he you know what i mean why do we feel this way about him you know what i mean like what is because like he's just this one-dimensional brat for so much of this season that I, i i just throw my hands up like i just mostly don't care i want him to stop whining i want him to stop being entitled i want him to stop being confused i want him to stop mumbling I want, like there's like so much about him that I just can't stand and and you know and it doesn't have to be that way like there's obviously depth that I think somebody wants him to have so yeah um, anyway that, that said you know like uh, I'll look forward to seeing this this episode this week and and kind of kind of catching that up um, so uh, yeah but anyway um, yep. uh, Ted Lasso we're on we're on the we're on the way out it's, no it's I, I think um, I think we've said what there's really to say about it it's still going to be I think a unique and enjoyable show but it, it does follow the the arc of all sports shows or, or movies where you know you have the it's basically like a rom-com formula only with balls and nets and shit yeah. uh you know because it is like that formula where like you are going to win in the end but first you're going to get knocked down relegated um you know you're going to have some major setback and have to build the team back up uh, by its bootstraps and so yes we're in the last season and we are doing that arc and so that's where we're supposed to be um i wanted to really quickly touch on um something we enjoyed together which was uh, the mortal kombat um 11 mortal kombat 11 the last mortal kombat the last mortal kombat i'll set a small bit of stage here that uh the reason i even thought about this is there is a trailer that dropped uh you actually got to uh, come up to the house we we we, uh, we hung out a bit this past weekend um and leading into that weekend um nether realm studios uh, warner brothers um they announced that there's going to be a mortal kombat one um they're kind of rebooting the whole franchise uh, nice uh particularly gory trailer <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh out there for with the whole bunch of buckets of gore in there um came out and on the heels of that they actually put 
Mortal Kombat 11, which is the the most current game up until this this reboot that's coming out in September. Um, and they put that on sale for like nine bucks for like the whole kit and caboodle, every skin, every mission pack, every everything, um, which is an outstanding deal. So you and I jumped into Mortal Kombat 11. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I guess what I wanted to say about it was. Uh, you know, usually when we hang out, we smoke a little bit and have a good time together. We get into a game, and then at some point in the evening, the pizzas hit, the weed is hit, everything's hit, and we move on to something non-interactive. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing with Mortal Kombat story mode was that never happened because it really was a movie that you occasionally played a Mortal Kombat round in. Yeah, and yeah. Like I was kind of, it's hokey and primary and very cartoony. But it also blended really interestingly into those fights. And, you know, you see the full strength of what the engine is doing when they pan it from like this 3D animation into a 2D fighter, like naturally, like into the environment. So just want to give a very quick prop to that. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a really fresh take on how to do fighting games. And that might have been because we tried the Street Fighter beta just before that. And whoa can we just say like could not be two more different takes on how to make a fighting game.com right like that is (laughs) that is just like just two very fundamentally different thoughts about it like forget about the fact that all fighting games are very silly they're all silly of course like because they have just the the most wackadoo characters ever and i love them for that i I think it's a place where that creativity can you know just go 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 nuts but man uh, so yeah there's street fighter six open beta was this past weekend so we got to to fire that up um and uh it started out uh with uh perhaps the most frustrating and terrible thing that i could possibly think of for a video game um is us getting relegated to the uh terms of service and the login uh of a capcom id that had to be created outside of the game on my phone and then verified with an email and then still go back to the console and agree several times to a whole bunch of things that have to happen over there and then and true it up with that 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 Capcom idea I just created on my phone in order just so we could get into the beta. Like the least seamless way of handling that. Such a such a terribly wonky thing. Um, so, but once we got past that, uh, there's uh, a a. a uh, colorful announcer that uh, uh, was uh, that, that greeted us and uh, w- brought us into a potentially interesting idea of you were basically dropped into this big arcade um, and you had, you could create your character uh, completely, which is also kind of atypical of most fighting games. They're known for those zany characters. So the fact that you can just make your own is a little bit crazy, but then you go walking around in this kind of open world MMO kind of looking experience where there, it looks like a big arcade. I understand that the game will actually have a, like a whole world, not just an arcade to be in that you get to walk around around in which i also don't know if that's really cool or not i can't honestly tell you but in this slice of the open beta that we played you go sit at a at a cabinet an arcade cabinet just like you would if you went out to a real fancy arcade um they do make those still don't they i hope that would be nice if they did um and then when you sit down at that cabinet you're literally waiting for a character to walk up to the other side of that cabinet and and challenge you to a fight on and street fighter and then you it warps you into the actual fight that's happening uh 
and uh, anyway we played three rounds I, I got my clock clean two out of those three rounds and uh right. won one and then ran away screaming <laughs> uh that was uh, certainly not a safe place i should not have been doing that um but um but it was very like the antithesis of the whole story stuff right like this was just a fighting game ass fighting game right like very like just all mechanics like it started out and asked you what your experience level was for fighting games and it it gave you this this really like crazy kind of breakdown of like of of if you did the tutorial piece of it you know which we had started and then exited because we already knew how to play street fighter but there's like a whole thing to teach you about all the controls maybe that would have had us win another round who knows but uh but you know kind of being in it it was like it was just this very competition focused experience you know like it was like a fighting game for tournaments like where you would go to play this with a bunch of people in a ladder ranking and you know that kind of yeah. thing um just brought online and then we pivoted to mortal Kombat 11 which is just this this long unreal engine based movie that yes occasionally asked us to pick up the controller and beat the shit out of somebody just to pan out it's so interesting that we didn't even have fatalities when you think about it we never even experienced any fatalities in there i mean they had the what was the thing called the fatal um, blow the final blow the, um, i think fatal blow fatal was, blow fatal yeah, blow yeah, fatal yeah. blow that's it um and uh that uh and that looks a lot like a fatality when you when you squeeze those triggers and and uh, and perform a a really gruesome maneuver on the other person uh, i guess it happens when you drop below 20 percent life or whatever you get the ability to do that but um but yeah that was really neat and i thought it was a lot of fun like it was uh like i don't you know of course i'm not going to sit here and say that it's high art um but it's not supposed to be right. Like, I don't think I don't, what would you do with a mortal combat? Like you getting too serious with a mortal combat is probably your own damn fault. You know, like you have to, like, I think they did a outstanding job being handed these characters that are the hokiest fucking characters that anybody could come up with. Right. Like yeah. I thought they did a wonderful job and there's that time hopping and they got to meet younger versions of themselves. And like, it was, you know, it was fun. Like it was like extraordinarily fun. It knew it was having fun. It wanted you to have fun with it. It was just fun. Like, and, and, uh, yeah, we got through more than half of it actually in a single sitting. I think that was, uh, and still a lot. And that was a couple hours worth of game for sure. Like we, we really, we really put it back. I thought it was, it was excellent. Yeah. No, definitely good stuff. So I did want to shout that. Um, I know we have a lot of Sony stuff to get into. I mean, we I do. could complain about other TV, but I kind of want to dive into that. Um, should we take a really quick break and to reconfigure for that? Really quick break. See you on the other side. All right. It's Sony time again. It's Sony time. It's Sony time. If people could have been with us in that moment before this second take of this second half of the episode, there was such a genius. We said great things. We solved all of the problems in the console wars. We, uh, we, we had thoughtful, concise, and yet thorough analysis. Uh, but that's all gone now because of a technical glitch uh, caused yeah. by my lack of focus. And uh, as such, we're going to have a take two, which is probably just not going to be as good. I'm sorry everyone missed it. No, the, let's not let's not nag on take two because this is going to be strong. You sat through the entire Sony showcase in an Xbox T-shirt. 
stepping for the home team. And um, I think the good news is a lot of what you saw is actually coming to the Xbox. It was kind of like a pre-Xbox event. That's it. That's it. And, you know, I'm... I don't want to spoil this list in any way, but I am super excited for Cat Quest 2024. <laughs> yes, I mean, um, in the history of AAA titles, I um I, I will say that you will be excited for that. We'll get to that one soon, but the full title is Cat Quest: Pirates of the Parabium, I believe, is what the title is. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna give them a, a golf clap for that. Uh, that's that's not bad. Um, this is uh, by history. Like that series is a mobile focused series and ah. not terrible. I think it was on Apple Arcade at one point, and I messed around with it. It's not what I want on my phone. I don't want like an RPG that I have to actually think about for more than a minute. But it's got kind of a. I don't know. Uh, I, anything I say is going to offend somebody, but it's you know a little Diablo esque in style, but with cats. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This had some flavors of not just because of the name, but actually because of the animation style and the top down nature of it. But it looked like um, Pirates, the Sid Meier's Pirates game that we've re- referenced before. Um, so. I don't know that it's going to play exactly like that, but it seemed like there were parts of it that were like that for sure. Um, seemed very actiony, third person actiony, um, and uh, cute. I mean, you know, cartoon cats are cool, regular cats are not, but you know, cartoon cats are pretty neat. So this is literally uh, as much cat quest as I can stomach. So we've got to move on. <laughs> we've got to move on. We, we, I mean, we we jumped the gun here. We're we're too far into cat quest, and we we need. I not. saw it and I pounced. You, ooh, oh, man. All right. It's so, fine. I'll anyway, take a look it up. down pretty quickly and yep, we'll just rethink our- <laughs> <laughs> What I meant is that we didn't have that line in the first take. That's what I'm saying. We, we sure didn't. <laughs> um, so I'm confident that we will have a take three and nobody will know that this happened. That's true. <laughs> God. I, I, will, I will retract my st- I'm done. Uh, no, start- you are done. You were done when you started. It please just start like talking. It's, I- <laughs> yes, it's uh, what? yes. I, I have I, coffee. I thought, th- I thought this was going to be the perfect take, and 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 here you are fucking it all up, dude. I just I don't I don't. Uh, anyway, first game from Haven Studios. This was uh, Jade Raymond, who actually was uh, worked on the very, very, very first Assassin's Creed game. Um, she subsequently left that uh, developer at Ubisoft and went to work at Stadia, I believe, to work on a game. And then I don't think that ever came to fruition or something happened with that Stadia. Now Stadia is not a thing anymore. Uh, She left to create Haven Studios. uh, And then subsequent to that, PlayStation came in and bought Haven Studios. That is now a first party uh, studio. And uh, their game is, uh, there's this new game that they're coming out with is called Fair Games. The S is a dollar sign. Uh, there's a whole bunch of, you know, uh, eat the rich kind of stuff going on there. They uh, a bunch of hoodlums and ne'er-do-wells breaking into very fancy places and vaults and stealing a bunch of shit that's not theirs. Um, it was a CG trailer. It said it at the top. So, that's a game that's coming out. That'll be some sort of co-op heist game, I guess. Um, 
Not a whole lot, but that was a kickoff uh, uh, there. Nothing to go on there. I can't say that's going to be a good or bad game. I just, you know, it's a CG trailer, so who knows what it is yet. Um, next one is Helldivers 2. This is a sequel to Helldivers, uh, and that uh, is coming out. It is coming out this year, and it is coming out to both PlayStation 5 and PC. Um, I, it's the only reason I really call this out. I didn't get to play Helldivers 1. There's a big... Um, uh, Starship Troopers vibe to this whole thing. It actually starts out like a like a lampooned commercial that gets real violent, and then it you know is like a you know like real sizzle reel of TV with an announcer behind it and stuff. And you know it's it's, it's a ton of Starship Troopers vibes going on there for sure. Um, but I call this one out not because I have any particular experience with Hell Divers, but uh, that it is a game that releases the year that will be simultaneous release for both PS5 and PC um, coming from Arrow head studios um so i think that's interesting as we're kind of going through some of these um uh some of these these uh press conferences that are happening over the over the summer here this first one being of course from sony that we're talking about now um historically sony almost never even mentioned pc releases period end like they just never did even when it was definitely coming out for pc of course they wouldn't mention xbox and all of this but interesting that nonetheless um this would be the first year that they're actually announcing for a few of these games that it's all that these titles are also coming to PC right on the title cards. It's uh, kind of interesting. They don't really have to do that. So the fact that they are adding more respect to the whole PC thing, I think, is uh, worth mentioning. It's something you and I have always been super jazzed about. Like, I think, you know, it's kind of a difficult proposition for uh, a value proposition for you and I to own a PlayStation in our home because we have Xboxes and PCs and a million other places to play 99% of the games in the world. So... Um, so anyway, so that was uh, Helldivers 2. Next one is uh, Ascendant Studios uh, being published by EA. Um, looks like a first-person shooter, uh, but with like kind of magic. So I'm going to call a little bit to the Ghostwire Tokyo stuff where you, you, there was all that really cool hand animation with all the weaving and things in there. This looks like that, except you're, you know, casting runes and drawing runes with your hands um a game is called immortals of avium uh will be out in july uh that is also coming to xbox uh in addition to playstation and pc um next one up is ghost runner 2 i had always wanted to get around to ghost runner um it's a uh very neon drenched cyberpunk kind of first person game um that's actually looks like it's built to be very run based and very uh almost like a puzzle game a puzzle action game not super unlike uh neon white actually in some ways like it's kind of the neon white's got a very different vibe and feel to it but this idea that like it's like this hyper frenetic first person kind of you know get to this goal and probably have to take some guys out on the way and you know having time attack modes and that kind of stuff uh anyway sequel to that ghost runner 2 published by 505 games um, will be out this year as well uh, also coming to xbox um next one i think it was s game studios Maybe it was S Blade. It was S something studios, S dash something studios. But I thought I caught S game because the card came up pretty quickly. Um, a game called Phantom Blade Zero. Um, it very much is the thing now to make souls games in all the ways that you can make a souls game right um there was one that is actually currently on uh game pass called wulong fallen destiny um or, i'm sorry fallen dynasty um and uh has 
to my to my eyes and a very similar vibe to this phantom blade zero um this seems like it's going to be a playstation exclusive um third person action a lot of chinese mythology that they're kind of playing with and and uh some some interesting visuals and stuff um Uh, but uh i just want to interject on the souls like thing that we've got going on here yeah i feel like it's sort of the same thing as we have with big phones. Mm. You know, we had sort of this race to ever bigger phones, and mm-hmm. there's sort of a functionality component to that, at least earlier on in phone development, where bigger phones meant more space for components, bigger batteries, uh, you know, getting more in there as, you know, the technology wasn't keeping up with the miniaturization we needed to get more power, better heat distribution. And so people were buying big phones because the big phones had more features and Mm -hmm. more things in them. And I don't think it's because people inherently wanted ever bigger phones, you know, but there ended up being like that feedback loop where, you know, all of these companies making phones like, oh, everybody's buying big phones. We need to make big phones and stop making little phones. And I think that's kind of bullshit. And I think the fact that everybody's making Souls-like games is kind of bullshit. Like Mm -hmm. the issue is that, there have been some really great games that happen to be Souls-like, and so people are buying those games, and now everybody thinks that that's the part that everybody's buying it for, that they just want the punishing difficulty and the bad save points. And I think the studios are not really catching up with what's happening and what people want, and so we're getting all of these Souls-like games that are great mythology, deep storyline, fantastic combat mechanics, and garbage that I'll never play regardless of what platform it's on. Right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, when it, when it was playing, I could just I could just feel it. I, it was like you were sitting on the couch next to me. I was like this is going to be the most punishing bullshit. <laughs> like it just felt like like it was actually just breaking me. Like I was like I I'm sure I'd get through a whopping 12 minutes of this game and then just throw the controller across the room. It looked way too hard. Um just in the you, know, you could just have that feeling where you know how that that feeling of in third person games where it's like a lot of weight. Like every time a weapon is swung there's like a weight to it and there's a dodge, a deliberate dodge. Like there's like a lot of like the mechanics inside of the the trailer are just like super heavy. I was like I don't know. I don't think that's going to be the kind of game for us. But Phantom Blade Zero um, didn't see a release date on that. Uh, next one uh, from Giant Squid. They did uh, Abzu. They did Journey. Uh, they did The Pathless. Um, so the opposite of the Souls games. That vibe s kind of you know just just get super high and you know fly around the universe in whatever particular modality they've chosen for that game. Uh, so Giant Squid Studios had made those pre previous games and they are making this one uh called sword of the sea um it looks an awful lot like journey i'm not gonna lie it was like kind of shocking how much it looked like that um except you are like kind of doing this sort of tony hawk ish maybe uh what was the snowboarding one that came out to um Und bang. Und bang. Uh, SSX. Tricky. Yeah, like that. Like, so, like, kind of that. Like, because it, with the sword, and you're actually surfing on the sword. Like, it's a big kind of buster sword looking thing that looks like kind of like clouds from uh, Final Fantasy VII. And you're just sort of like, surfing on this sword over sand and stuff so um it looks super vibey i'm sure it's going to be great like all the other ones yep. like i i love journey i loved abzu i didn't get to pathless pathless was actually a playstation exclusive for a while and just launched maybe a month or two ago on xbox um so 
whenever that's, you know, on sale or something, I'm going to try that out as well. I've heard great things about that one as well, but they are very, you know, challenge free, just groove on it and go have fun and experience the great music and the great visuals and just get to the other side. So, um, anyway, sort of the C, the Talos principle two, Talos principle one, I, that, Studio had also come out with another game similar to that prior to Talos Principle, and I'd played that one, but I'd never got to Talos Principle 1. Anyway, this is a sequel. This one is coming to Xbox. I, I didn't say that about Sword of the Sea, because I, I don't think they've announced that for Xbox. They probably won't, at least initially, because of how Pathless happened. But Talos Principle 2 is coming to Xbox. Uh, it will be in 2023 this year. Um, next one, uh, I don't know if you got a chance to play Gris, uh, G-R-I-S. Um, it's a really very beautiful uh uh kind of uh side-scrolling 2d um great hand-drawn animation style to it um a bit simplistic uh some puzzling very light puzzling and stuff but really emotional uh kind of um animation styles that, that that go into it with lots of uh cool almost like a watercolor splotches on on onto like line drawings um very neat um really cool stuff um, i don't know that i beat it it actually was on game pass for a while um i tried to play it on game pass and i had a real real trouble playing it on game pass like there was uh, this was you know like it has to be a year ago or more it was a long time ago that it was on there and this was obviously game pass on pc has you know evolved over time but it has been rockier in the in the past and uh i installed it but i wasn't able to like bind controls properly and it like huh. like sometimes like like it was a really really wonky and i was like i don't know what's wrong with this thing but this thing is driving me crazy and i actually emailed the developer for greece um which is the developer is um oh man do you do you have that handy i don't know uh, the developer of of, of gris uh nomada yeah. studio is, yeah i was uh, actually just pulling it up on steam to see what this was about and uh kind of getting lost looking at just how beautiful it really is yeah yeah very 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 intense stuff so i had actually reached out to the developer directly and emailed them and said hey i love this but i can't actually play it i have to use a keyboard uh, like i i can't actually use the controller and i don't know what to do and uh they wrote back uh like quickly and uh like within like a day or two i think and and said really sorry about that we'll continue to look at that in the meantime here's a free steam key to go play it on steam thanks so much for reaching out Damn. um which you know so big props to those guys yep. you know not that they're going to give everybody free steam keys for their games or anything but the fact that there was an actual technical problem that they were addressing on the game pass version and they love just that. wanted me to play it and uh, i really loved that so um did get back into it and play it a fair bit deeper and really enjoyed it so also coming to xbox not till 2024 uh, for any uh uh, any, uh, any platforms, which brings us to Cat Quest. We're moving straight on past Cat Quest. It's yep. coming out in 2024. Um, Square Enix had a big showing there. A couple of titles there. Um, it was. I want to say. I want to say there was three of them. Three of them um, that were, were here. I think. Uh, where is it here? There's one. I, I th it was two or three. I, I, it might just be two. I, I, I thought that there were three. Um, but uh, Square Enix showed up with a third-person game. Um, have you had a chance to play with the kids uh, Splatoon on the Switch? On the Nintendo Switch. A little bit. Yeah, the kind of paintball-ish shootery. <laughs> Yeah, where you're literally like the two teams have a 
color of either blue or pink or whatever and you're you're spraying the paint all over the map and you're actually the 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 most interesting mode of that game outside of just being a third person kind of silly cartoonish action game is you're painting the board and the more paint Yep. you have of your color wins the match and whatever which is neat and your if your team is blue and you're painting it blue you can actually dive your splatoon character into the paint and use it as a method of travel like before popping back out um as long as you painted somewhere so that's a neat thing too anyway square enix must love that game so they are coming out with a game called foam stars which is just what if not paint but foam and it's still like a big <laughs> foam party in the streets and you're diving into foam of different colors and it's like very much very much splatoon vibes going on um so i really did not love that particular showing it was like very very rough footage like it's like in development footage uh, but it was they started with a really cool cg trailer and then they cut to the footage and i was like oh boy that's not the same thing at all <laughs> like it, it, was, it was a lot rougher when i saw foam stars so um anyway no date on that uh there next one i sent a, this trailer to you and eric a while ago the plucky squire um that is now actually dated for at least this year 2023 um and uh absolutely one of the most beautiful looking games I think I've seen in a very long time uh, really we played it it takes two and that had like some really clever insane graphics in terms of the uh, miniaturization uh, or not miniaturization, oh, the miniaturization of our characters and, right. and almost blowing up these like you know kind of honey I shrunk the kids sort of sized sets of toys and that sort of thing which I thought looked really cool uh, this is that, but you, the game starts in a storybook with, um, it looks like Diary of a Wimpy Kid, like kind of that sort of, uh, style of, uh, drawing. Um, and you are, it's a 2D side scroller at first and you're kind of going through the story and then you just magically pop out of the book and it becomes a full 3D adventure at parts. And, um, it blends seamlessly into like this 2D and 3D. The, the trailer is just off the meter. It looks so, so good. Wasn't Lots this of bespoke another event, maybe a- a teaser for this like i feel like i watched this with you i sent it to you guys when it first came out it was i think it was last year it came out it was like and they had the, i don't even think they have a date when they when they first announced it it was very short and it was it, it, it was uh it was very 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 super impressive and I, I i was like this is like you know top tier top flight stuff i hope they can pull off a full game here well it turns out that it looks like that'll be coming out this year finally so very excited to play fantastic that one. it looks really good yeah yeah um so 2023 also coming to xbox um next one is teardown um did you get a chance to do teardown on steam i don't know if you had gotten around to that no you and your eldest told me about it i think when you were both kind of like mainlining it but i didn't uh, actually check it out and i just heard that it was the hotness in some way yeah it's really just a I don't know that it's necessarily for me exactly because it it it's they've subsequently added more which is uh, ironic as you'll hear in a second structure to the game um it is it looks a lot like minecraft it's like very super blocky like everything is like a, a very like that sort of aesthetic right like every, except instead of like the sort of supernatural world of minecraft it's more kind of grounded this is you know buildings and cars and stuff like that um so it's like 3d blocks right i must um, be looking at something very different uh, I guess I'm looking at so I'm checking out the steam trailer and like the lighting all looks really hot and like there's a lot of structure is it just like 
a lot more that you can do with blocks, like a little more Fortnite-y than true Minecraft-y? Well, it's not really about building anything. So as the name implies, Teardown, you are literally only going to fuck shit up. You're not going to like make anything the way you would in Minecraft. You are just given a hammer and dynamite and all kinds of things to just break everything that anybody's ever made. Driving cars full of dynamite into buildings, blowing them up and um, boats full of dynamite and driving those into things like, you know, taking a hammer. And and the cool thing about it is, is it, it uses like this cool physics model. So like if you like of fire in the corner of a log cabin it will burn it down like it would the fire will travel realistically and take down the whole thing um if you take down certain supports in a building that are holding it up like pillars it will eventually crumble under its own weight um so it's got like a very interesting physics engine so this is um, like what would happen if you took the most fun part of the original burnout except not cars right that's right that's right Um, that's right you know, I mean, this looks really kind of like stupid fun and a great mm-hmm. way of relieving stress, which yeah, is yeah. fantastic. So they're obviously coming back. That is. Yeah. So it's been out on PC for a while. It In its early builds will take your PC to its knees it is like the computation of like all of the physics everywhere like things burning down breaking falling apart will it's meant for yeah there's <laughs> it's a, meant there for a lot things. of things happening here i'm looking for the steam deck compatibility it is verified as it deck is compatible. verified i actually ran that was one of the <laughs> only steam deck uh games that i tried when i first got my steam deck and no, i wonder was you like, had yep. a terrible experience yeah it was like i was like yep it turns on verified <laughs> through the title screen that's it so yeah, i mean i pivoted it over to my 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 gaming rig and it is more what they meant over there i think the social experiment that we need is that teardown is secretly just a griefer mode for another game that's just a high quality building game that would be great that right? would be great like, i would play teardown if it was plugged into somebody's minecraft that that's would be right. cool like, that's <laughs> what i'm saying like you know just we're just not going to tell them we're going to name the two games something different we've got builder 2.0 and we've got teardown and just set them at each other just that's it that's it <laughs> who's this guy with the hammer that keeps showing up yeah very uh very cool stuff. It is just, they, they added a lot of mission modes and things to the game over time, so it's become more of a game, I guess. I don't want to be too reductive of it, but <laughs> right. they added more of that stuff, and, and so uh, definitely worth checking out on PC. This announcement is just to tell you that, yes, it's also coming to console this year. Um, both PS5 and Series consoles um, will be able to run it. I would love to see it run on a Series S. Honestly, it's like like it's like heavy computation. I mean, a heavy computation. It really hits your CPU pretty bad. And it has ray tracing, so... And it has ray tracing. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, anyway, it's very fun, though. Like, when you do get a mission and it's like, hey, you just need to take that building down. We don't care how. And there's a truck and there's dynamite and there's barrels and there's a hammer and it's whatever you want to do. Just take that shit down. You, that's your mission. Love um, it. Is, you know, so kind of fun stuff. Um, Metal Gear Solid 3 Remake. Um, so this is Snake Eater, the third in the Metal Gear Solid series. So they've got um, some exclusives then. Um, so that uh, say again. So they actually did announce some exclusives. So I mean, Metal Gear Solid has always been like a Sony kind of property. Yeah, but this one is actually coming out to Xbox as well. This oh, will also be really. Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah, they, that uh, they actually kind of was a leak, I think, a day or two ago that's saying that it was also going to come to Xbox consoles. But um, but this is definitely coming to Xbox okay. consoles. Um, it is. Uh, Sorry, I mean, we. Yep, <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, yep, yep. Um, so I am interested in seeing how this is. I got to. I was. I, I played the first and the second ones back when they came out on PC long, long time ago. Um, never got around to three. There, there was a collection. Uh, a friend of mine, Ryan, actually let me borrow the collection um, for Xbox 360, and it was backwards compatible. So I played it on an Xbox One, um, and I played through three. It's a cool game. All of those games are just a little bit long in the tooth, though. Like they're very, uh, they're just janky now. Like I, yeah. I don't, I think that they were very forward leaning. They're cool. They're very Kojima flavored. They're, you know, they're Metal Gear Solid. It's it's the place where everybody fell in love with him. I, I see that for sure, and I see why. Um, for all of its stupidness and quirkiness, it's also just very, you know, it connects in a really cool way that most games don't. Um, so it, it, I am happy to see this. I enjoyed it. I feel like. It's a weird one to pick. Like I like if you go switch gears over to uh, Resident Evil, um, they have one by one been rebooting all the Resident Evils. Right? They did one, two, and three, and now four just got released a month ago. Um, so they are going back through the Resident Evil games, starting with the first one and moving forward with brand new engines, brand new gameplay. Um, still you know respecting the initial or, or original source material and and, and whatnot, but. It's it's a bit it's a bit uh, weird to just pick Snake Eater out of all of them and do that one. Um, the first one needs this. The second one needs this, right? Yeah, like I don't yeah. know. They're not modern enough, you know. Clearly, the third one isn't either because otherwise you would do that. So, might be a licensing thing. Konami is a weird company. Um, they have just moved on to making pachinko machines and not actually really making video games anymore. Um, so, like they're obviously have to license this stuff because Konami owns all the stuff and Kojima does not. Um, but uh, also on the back of this, which was extra weird as an announcement, is they are also releasing a Metal Gear Solid trilogy that's releasing in August of this year. And that's not remakes. That's just like up-resed updates, right? Like they run on current consoles and stuff, but it's just like a... Like, it's not this. Like, whereas this is a full reimagining of the games a la Resident Evil, that's almost like a backwards compatibility patch that's like making them run on current consoles. And it was a weird thing to announce on the same day, right? Like, why would you announce both of those things at the same time? Like, it also tells me that maybe they're never going to be able to do the other Metal Gear games because of that. Um, also, Metal Gear Solid 4 is locked to PlayStation 3s only. There is no way to play that game on PC, PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5. <laughs> like, you just can't play it. Like, there's just yeah. no way to get to Metal Gear Solid let, uh, 4, let alone Xboxes. So, um I really wanted that to be an announcement as well. So maybe they'll do four. Maybe they'll go back and do one and two. It's just weird to pick three out of all of them as somebody who would just want to be more logical about which ones I reboot and in what order. Um, but that is definitely coming to Xbox as well. Um, next one from Dreamlit Games, uh, third person uh, ad adventure. Not much to say about this. It's called Towers of Agasba. Uh, comes out next year. Looks neat. It's um, got kind of like a blend of action and also that sort of vibey sort of uh, you know, giant squid sort of thing with Sword of the Sea. Like very, you know, it, it doesn't, it wasn't enough meat on the bones to really 
understand what they were going with there but uh, but it you know had some narrative hooks and stuff and felt more vibey than difficult um from what i could tell um uh, final fantasy 16 um was has been announced for june for a while they just showed another trailer that's currently playstation exclusive not even on pc um we'll probably next week talk i have an, an article that i wanted to talk about where uh square enix actually shopped around for the best deal for final fantasy um and they went to both microsoft and Sony and said we would like to put out our, our game and we'd like it exclusive how much would you pay for that and they just waited for both offers to come through and picked the higher one hmm. um, which is kind of interesting like it's a it's a it's a it, it it is it is a maybe a very bold-faced way of doing business I'm sure there's some more complexities that I'm not covering here because I wasn't in those rooms but um, it's kind of weird that like it's just simply not offered you know what i mean like in other places because of just that business deal we already knew with some of the filings that came out of with all the activision blizzard stuff that sony absolutely has <laughs> paid for exclusives you know like that's not shocking at all you know this isn't ch charity but yeah it's i think it would be if it wasn't like with the activision merger going on i could see the xbox business move responding with we'll give you half of that to keep it on all platforms. Yeah. Right? Like where they would still pay something to say, cut it with your bullshit, here's a smaller bag of money, and now you can sell to twice as many people. Sure. Right? Absolutely. Like that feels like that would be the Microsoft DNA because like they just, they don't really want exclusives in all but like the first party of first party as t titles. Right. 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 Exactly right. Yeah, it's pretty weird. I wonder if the, that, that part of that... Uh, was also well sure we'll give you a bag of money but you also have to release it on pc and that's where they balked you know what i mean like maybe they wanted the the, the heaviness of the marketing dollars who knows yeah. um in any case coming out in june we already knew that that's not much of an announcement um but the big one for me alan wake 2 coming out october 17th uh so i've got a couple of months to force you to play alan wake 1 and <laughs> get through that so that we can play alan wake 2 together um looks very good uh remedy uh uh, has their own in-house engine, which uh, called the Northlight engine. Uh, used it for control. Used it for Quantum Break. Uh, makes beautiful games. This looks no, like no exception. They got the voice actors back um, for from Alan Wake One um, for both the writer and the narrator, which was amazing to hear. Um, so uh, yeah, excited about that. It should be a should be really really interesting. Yeah, interesting given the close uh, Remedy Microsoft relationship that this was the announcement vehicle i mean no skin off it it's free press and sure. it's multi-platform but just timing wise that they were ready to shoot out for this yeah interesting they said they're going digital only and through their deal with uh it's actually being published by epic games um which is kind of fascinating um they are able to still keep the cost at $60 instead of 70 because now we're having $70 games. Yep. So, um, you know, good for them for for trying to figure out a way to keep the cost down a little bit. Um, Assassin's Creed Mirage, um, it's the next Assassin's Creed game. Uh, cool. Some sort of... Uh, I, I I really couldn't tell some vaguely Middle Eastern area that it was being uh, that it was supposed to be like I, it, they didn't say anything explicitly in the in the game. It's just one of the only places in the globe they haven't been yet. So that that's that's where the next Assassin's Creed is. Um, when I tell you this looks like 
the most Assassin's Creed that I've ever seen any Assassin's Creed be. Like, wow. Like, it looks like the first one. It looks like with the, 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 the setting, the hood, everything, even though that one was supposed to be Italy, I think. Like, it very much, like, shockingly looks exactly like the first one for my uneducated eyes. Um, pretty shocking. Right? I mean, better lighting, for sure, but... Yeah, I sure. mean, that may be, yeah, and you're right. It definitely looks like, where are we going? Not around here. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that is it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the lore uh, of the game is steeped in the Middle East. And so seeing that like traditional Assassin's Creed garb, like the Assassin's outfit with the hood and everything is very true. So maybe a lot of it is taking place like it's more of an origins kind of thing where we're going back in time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, man. I. I it takes a lot to get me to burn out on a big open world epic game like that and they put the work in dude they got me to burn out on it I am I am all set on AC like I'm I'm steeped up I got my Mm -hmm. 80 hours a year in and we're good so I don't know they'll have to really like going back to even more stealthy and like kind of walking some of the expanded mechanics back is nah yeah, yeah. I don't really know. I'll have to really see a proper gameplay breakdown to see if it's even worth it. It's, but yeah, they're just a stunning amount of hours for those games. Um, I'm going to burn through the next few of them here. I don't think there's a whole lot to talk about uh, that that I really wanted to to pull out of it. There, um, let's see. There was a game called Revenant Hill, which really just looked like Night in the Woods too. I don't. I don't. There was no gameplay to speak of, but that. Um, uh, uh, was announced uh, by Finji um, as the publisher. Um, let's see, Psy Games was the next uh, uh, publisher slash developer. I'm not sure what. Um, it was a kind of an interesting looking. Um, I, I don't know. I've not played any of the Grand Blue games, but this was Grand Blue Fantasy Relink. It is coming out this year. Seems to be exclusive, from what I can tell. Um, after that, Street Fighter Six, which we talked about at the top of the episode here, coming out in June. We already knew that. Um, the next one was really, really trippy. Very si- cool side-scrolling vibe. Uh, I wrote down in my notes Magical Mystery Tour because um, it like really looked like a Beatles cover, like in this very tripped out kind of uh east asian kind of way <laughs> like it was like a very like you know like uh, you could just look at it and know that a sitar is going to be somewhere in this game no matter what um i don't know they didn't announce platforms uh yet but it's called ultros and uh that does come out next year in 2024 um uh, another one tower of fantasy looked very cool um it is the most anime um it is just all of the strange, uh, slightly fetishy body proportions of anime characters that seems to happen the world over. Um, but it's a third person action game with mechs. Um, does look very neat. Um, I didn't see any platforms announced for that, so I'm assuming it'll be PlayStation. It looks and like unless PC. it's a different game, it looks like it's already out on PC and mobile. Oh, maybe, maybe, and maybe it's just getting ported to. to oh, wow! That, that's yeah, no, I need to close that window. That is. 
Yeah, this is a yeah. Human resources is going to kick your door in in a minute. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> yeah, but but also for the mech parts anyway, it looks super cool. Like there's a lot of inventive design and stuff in there, and, and so you know maybe if it's you know <laughs> able to be played when the kids are around. Yes, uh, no, I, I would like them to put something on, and a giant robot would be fine. That's just <laughs> please fight yes, this. Just anything, yeah, <laughs> anything, <laughs> anything. Way too revealing. Um, Dragon's Dogma two. I never played Dragon's Dragon's Dogma one, although I did hear. I think that's around the three sixty era, and it was very janky and kind of weird, kind of action RPG ish. Um, there. A little heavier on RPG than action, uh, from my recollection. Anyway, the second one does look very beautiful. Is multi-platform, also coming to Xbox. Um, And uh, then uh, Five Nights at Freddy's, uh, Help Wanted 2. There are so many Five Nights at Freddy's games, I can't possibly keep track of them all. Um, So... Uh, anyway, that was a very quick kind of CG looking trailer. Looks very scary. Of course, they all look very scary. Wonderful. Um, the show paused at that point. The Sony showcase paused at that point, And there was, they then decided to do kind of a run at uh, some PlayStation VR 2 uh, announcements. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, I got to say, dude, I don't know what's up, but I feel like. Uh, there, so yesterday there was actually an announcement from Sony that said that the PlayStation VR 2 sold 600,000 units um, and uh, so just over uh, just o- just under I'm sorry just over half a million is what I'm trying to say um, a unit since it launched um, that during the same time frame as the PSVR 1 was an 8% increase in sales um over the same period of time which is a very marketing ass thing to say um about it um so you know eight percent is not a really 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 crazy number when you're talking about not a lot of units to begin with um also on the pie chart that they're they're kind of implicitly suggesting these sales on you can see that the sales are plummeting now like um there may be an uptick there coming because they are now selling it at retailers and not just through their website but um i gotta say this showcase did not do a lot for ps vr2 um there there were five things announced for ps vr2 one was a mode for resident evil 4 so it's not a full game um one is beat saber which i talked about before beat saber is an important one if you have vr you better have beat saber there's no question um good news for beat saber if you owned it on psvr1 they just give it to you for free for psvr2 which is the right thing to do if not it's like 30 bucks and it's like you know cross buy cross save and all this so like it's you know um so that's they treated it right as well and then there were just three other games that they announced uh, arizona sunshine 2 um which looks neat it's a zombie game uh, first person zombie game of course uh and uh uh, that's coming out this year. Uh, a game called Synapse, which I had already seen a trailer for from Sony um, a couple of months ago. Um, and that's coming out in July. And then Crossfire Sierra Squad, which I could not actually tell which parts were gameplay and which parts were not. Um, and that's it. That was all for PSVR 2. Um, most of those experiences, I can confidently say at least three of them and probably four of them are coming out for PC as well or Oculus. So... Uh, or both so i there's not any real exclusive push for psvr2 mm-hmm. um so i don't know like this is the second time they've done a psvr2 focused block of news this year and uh both times are pretty underwhelming um 
uh, we'll probably, we don't have time today, I'm sure, but I definitely want to, uh, unpack, uh, some of, uh, Half-Life Alex with you on the, on the pod. Um, so, you know, cause you get to experience it this weekend. Yeah. And, uh, really the only thing that I can say here in the context of this Sony announcement is I was really pulling for this part of the announcement because, uh, you know, I had played with VR, I think first and, uh, you know, had the Sony unit or the Samsung unit rather, and kind mm-hmm. of introduced you and you've since kind of leapfrogged me because it's a lot of hardware to keep around and we're just not mm-hmm. quite there yet and there's not a lot of content and so I'm rooting for Sony and I'm rooting for Oculus uh, and I'm rooting for Valve and all of these guys to kind of get this ecosystem going so I'm just like generally a little disappointed like you said Beat Saber is already there that's on all platforms they added a mode for Resident Evil which is kind of like the added mode to Fallout that came out a while back like great you know I mean we already know you can do this in a sufficiently high res game it's whether or not you can make an experience that right. matters right. and I don't know it feels like we're just treading water with VR like we're just not there yet yeah I I, I really I had said that my I thought the only play here and it, I, of course I don't own a PlayStation so that might be why I would say this but you know they need to make this 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 PC compatible like it's a nice headset they need to get more headsets in homes period like they just need butts and seats like it's not a it, there's too much of this vertical you know we have to create the ecosystem and the gaming platform and we have to own it and everything has to be here and only here um and and VR is too small. It's too small to do that. It's a it's, it's the wrong direction. They're messing that up hard. And everybody who does that, and I know there's some rumors about Apple coming out for a VR AR experience. And anybody who wants to own the whole stack is just making VR worse. Like you're, it's too small. Everybody has got to band together because it's too small. When it gets very 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 big, you can draw your battle lines later. I think you would find if you draw your battle lines later that that would just cut your profits and you should just keep it open for everybody it should be the movies anywhere model it should be everybody should just have vr experiences everywhere right um so i don't know we'll see it was very anemic for psvr2 i was not impressed there they switched off psvr2 because they had nothing else to offer about that and uh and then bungie who is now playstation studio came out um showed a cg trailer only for a reboot of marathon which is one of their first games came out in 1994 um, and so they are kind of rebooting it completely. The trailer is CG only, but it is look cool looking. I mean, it's there's a lot of a lot of sizzle there. It's a, it's a very weird vibe going on with it. It's a shooter. Uh, I don't know. They, I think they mentioned it would be like an extraction shooter, which is a weird weird genre to jump into for for marathon which was just a first person shooter back in the day um but whatever um you know maybe it'll be amazing I, I, there's nothing to go on at this point with no uh, announcement dates or anything um they also said the last uh destiny 2 pack comes out this year um and that's called the final shape uh, which is appropriately named um and uh it uh, they're bringing back a character and i think it comes out in august maybe so um that was all the announcements for bungie um, both of those Bungie games, including Marathon, will be on Xbox as well. Um, the uh, next one was uh, from Firewalk Studios, which I believe is actually a Sony-owned studio. Um, I'm pretty sure Firewalk is. Um, and there's a game called Conquered. It really just looked like some blend of... like I mean, they really didn't even show any character art. It was just a ship warping through space. And... Uh, 
so it was a tone piece. It really didn't tell me anything about the gameplay or whatever. Um, it is a PC and PS5 release, though. Um, so that's the reason I'm calling it out and out next year in 2024. Yeah. Um, they took a moment then to pimp the Gran Turismo movie. They played the Gran Turismo movie trailer. Um, and yeah. Yeah, that was a weird thing to do. Like, I just thought it was a strange choice. Like, I get it. It's Gran Turismo. Gran Turismo equals Sony. In the same way Forza equals Microsoft. I get that. But it was just a movie trailer. They just showed a movie trailer for this Gran Turismo movie that's coming out, um, which will be out in the fall sometime. Um, I mean, it doesn't look like the worst movie I've ever seen. It is definitely not going to be the best one I've ever seen um, based on the trailer. So I don't know. I mean, okay, I get it. Product synergy, all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? I guess they kind of feel like contractually obligated to pimp the Gran Turismo movie because there was, I, I was hoping for them to then announce like a tie in with the game, right? Like that there would be something about the new Gran Turismo game that would also have to do with the movie. Um, but no such luck. It was just a movie trailer. Um, and uh, then I guess pivoting on, uh, we're kind of at the end of it here, um, two very, very quick and kind of awkward hardware announcements. One was Project Q, um, which is going to be launching this year, apparently. And this is a handheld device uh, yep. uh, similar to the INEO, to the no. uh, ROG Ally. Um, but uh, boy, uh, oh. eight inch uh, yeah. screen on it. All answers uh, are wrong. Uh, Say again? All answers are wrong. It's not similar to any of those things. Um, it's none of those. It, it, I'm sorry. Looking across the room, it looks a little bit like that thing. Uh, yeah, that's what I should have said. Sure. <laughs> you can tell it apart by the loud hum coming from your entertainment center that's actually running the games. It is really... It's uh, running the games. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I can just punch in for a second as like mm -hmm. the podcast's resident handheld fan, they could have done so much here. They really could have... Like, talk about guys who are all about exclusives and first party shit and actually have DNA with the PS Vita like in their in their history and even that um Android phone that had like the slide out like gamepad with like the touch sensitive yep. dual yep. analog sticks like they are they have a pedigree of doing mobile gaming and so the reason I'm mad is not because it's too hot because it is freezing fucking cold in here I actually changed into <laughs> shorts before we started recording so I've got my my red gem shorts on and um, I am pleased to report that the air conditioning in this office works <laughs> <laughs> I, I, re I really wish this is a video podcast and we would end it with just you the camera panning past the echo bee and you just walking by and setting it to 75 and heat and then the credits are all Dude, that's what I wish happened. Dude. That's exactly right, dude. I, I whoever did that was correct, and right. I, I retract my prior statement. Um, yeah. But allow me to emanate warmth by getting fired up about this piece of the announcement, and then we'll yes. kind of close out with the other stuff. But what the fuck? So this is a device, like you were saying, like hardware wise, it's an eight inch screen. It's basically got a DualSense controller that is ripped in half and put on either side of it. And strangely, like from a design standpoint, really looks like that. It looks like a tablet that somebody just glued two sides of a gamepad to. Like it doesn't have any sort of continuity to it, which mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. in part because there's absolutely no hardware inside of it. So it is just mm -hmm. a screen with a controller. And the only thing it does, the only announced feature at launch, is it will stream your PS5 games over Wi Fi. 
over Wi-Fi. So they're not announcing any out-of-home play. You are not going to play this on the train, on the bus, uh, while you're sitting in traffic. Like, if you are at home on your living room couch, you can use this to play your PlayStation games and nothing else. And, I mean, listen, you and I have been at opposite ends of whether or not the Steam Deck with Proton was a, a good decision versus having Windows on it based on the availability of games. Fucking Valve looks like the Saint Nicholas of video game offerability compared right. to this thing, right? Like, I mean, right. they're not offering you anything that you no. can't get 15 feet away from where you're already sitting. So I don't know why this thing exists. I don't know what the play is. I don't know why they're selling it. I don't know if they're just going to start throwing one in the box with every new PlayStation if they're trying to bring back like the Dreamcast thing and use it as a controller that just has some augmentation to it. That would be cool. That, that would, would be something. Right? Like some, a Wii U kind <laughs> yeah. of feel to it. But yep. what a waste of announcement. And like yeah. in this time when we're like in this amazing renaissance of AAA gaming on handhelds that you can take anywhere why like i would have i would have scrapped this i i would have straight up uh microsoft couriered the shit out of this thing yep. when i saw the rog ally and i saw the ineo picking up and the steam deck launch like what it, whoever was working on this would be working in genitorial uh yep. immediately like you are reckoned to um to the arctic north to go work yep. in our server farm because this thing is mothballed yeah 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 what what, what is it i mean the, the there are so many potential things you could do with it and if everything you just mentioned was part of this announcement i still would probably be like okay like i, I would still like shrug and be and be like i guess that's kind of cool i think the thing that kind of fries me is both sony and microsoft particularly microsoft because they had done it for like the xbox one also um remote play for your console has been around for a while like i've done it several times to my PCs uh, over the years. Yeah. Like, I, you know what I mean? And, and just streamed my experience from the console to a PC, which can now be a handheld PC because we have wonderful handheld PCs. So why is this different than an ROG Ally, which you could just run the PlayStation Remote Play app on? Yeah. Why would you not just do that? You can even do that on the Steam Deck without Windows installed. Like, everybody gets to do it. Like, yeah. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. like that's the question. Like, what? Whose problem is this solving? Who? What question was asked where this was the answer for anybody? Yeah, uh, I, 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 I don't understand. I don't understand. It's just an app. All you're doing is just giving an app. And like, I, I had heard a podcast where somebody said, you know, we're all real techie in the techie industry, but there's some people who just don't have a lot of tech in their house, and so maybe this will fill that that void for them. But I would tell that person to go buy a Steam Deck or a cheap ROG Ally or any of the Ioneos. I would tell them to go buy something that does more and also streams from your PlayStation, right? Like, I wouldn't tell them to just get something and streams from your playstation that doesn't make any damn sense that's ridiculous like it's just so limiting like i i don't know there's just like a lot of utility in having other things i, I i'm not sure what the only thing i could think of is this thing was like 80 bucks or 70 bucks like if it was like literally almost the price of a controller um maybe but i don't know like i you know that's not going to be the case like i mean they don't do that anymore like the control their their answer to the elite controller was like 200 dollars. it was more expensive than the elite so like it's not going to be cheap whatever it is so i i don't i don't get it i have do no idea what this is for the spotify dash thing 
I do remember that. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I ended up getting one for the cost of postage. Wow. So they did like this flag because they it failed, right? Like it flopped mm-hmm. and it's actually still in its box. But for like the five bucks in postage that they were charging, I said, all right, you know, I'll probably tell my grandkids about it someday or, you know, yep. not have to dig one up with all of the ET Atari console cartridges. But yep. like that thing failed and it was cheap. But I think it failed because it was answering a question that nobody was asking. And so it didn't matter that it was cheap. So even if this thing is 80 bucks, it's just going to sit in a drawer somewhere. Like it's not offering any value to people, whether they have a lot of tech or not. Like you can't browse on it. You can't do tablet stuff on it. Like Mm -hmm. all you can Mm -hmm. do is stream PS5 games. And so you also can't remote. Like, so when I play, um, Uh, Rocket League with my son and daughter, right? Like, I'll grab my handheld, I'll play on the handheld, they'll each be on an Xbox, right? So, like, that's solving that problem because I can be in the room with them without, like, a split-screen game. And that's cool, Mm -hmm. right? So we're all, like, hanging out together, playing without me being up in the bedroom. You know, if you have, like, three Xboxes, you're all in different rooms. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. that's a problem that that solves that this also doesn't solve because it's already using the one PS5 that's already being used. So it's not like you can each play a PS5 game or play a second screen or split that off or, you know, get your Minecraft on and not split screen it because it's just mirroring what the PS5 is putting out. Right. And and furthermore, like you couldn't even... I mean, maybe they'll build this in and that would be a little bit okay, but like I'm, no console has been able to do this yet through remote play where somebody sitting at the TV is watching Netflix on the PlayStation and then you can remote play a game in the other room. Like that would even be something, but it's just going to take over your PS5. Like you just don't get to do anything else with the PS5. Like it's just right. this <laughs> very big brick <laughs> that, that's sitting in your living room that's totally used up burning through energy and now you're streaming it across the house for a worse experience on a tiny screen and 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 nobody's allowed to use the tv now like if all you have is the ps5 hooked up to your tv and that's your apps and your gaming and your everything if anybody wants to use the living room sorry i'm in the other room with this eight inch screen i'm playing with like you can't you know i mean like it's just a weird thing to do i don't know Uh, that was a very very strange announcement it it was we, we talked about it on the pod a few weeks back that this was rumored to come out and we were like surely there has to be some other part of this and he just came out and literally said this is an eight inch wi-fi handhold for the whole i mean jim ryan just just flat out explained how useless this thing is and that it's coming out this year so yikes um not sure what that's about they did also announce playstation bluetooth earbuds that apparently are fully 3d audio enabled and uh a whole bunch of other lies about earbuds that i i don't believe at all but there you go there's playstation earbuds coming out because whatever um i mean they look kind of cool but it's just earbuds that there's not it's not doing anything other than being earbuds you know they didn't talk about having them paired to multiple devices like you know or anything they're just playstation earbuds so i I don't know i don't know about that um it feels like they were like did they also show off like the playstation hoodie <laughs> yeah. It just feels like that's what would have happened, right? Like they're and just now, jumping in out products. Partnership with Adidas, our new PlayStation Kicks. 
Right. Like that's it. Like it's that you're exactly right. Like it's just, it's just a wonky, like it was this whole section of the show that was just this weird, I don't know, awkward product placement, you know, like it was like, that was just like, here's this PlayStation-y stuff because you like PlayStation, right? Um, You know, so uh, anyway, so that happened. They closed out the show with absolutely the strongest thing of the whole show, which was Spider-Man 2. Comes out in the fall. Um, It was like, uh, dude, it's got to have been five, six minutes worth of solid gameplay. Like they just, they played a portion of that game. Like it is long, whatever that that footage was. It was very long. I assume they would have split it out by now. I don't know if you can see it on YouTube, but it's it's definitely got to be five minutes or more. Like it was a long trailer um, because it wasn't a trailer. Like it was a slice of the game. Like they just dropped you into a part of it. Like there was a cinema opening cinematic, but you know that game is really good about weaving in and out of cinematics. Like the yeah. the Spider and remastered on PC that you and I played. Um, I still have to go back and beat that. I'm so close to beating it, but I haven't finished it. And then I have Miles Morales that I got to beat. Uh, I have plenty of time. This is coming out in the fall uh, for PlayStation, and uh, Jim Ryan has already gone out uh, on a limb uh, yesterday to to crow to the world that uh, he's asked gamers that about the lag between PlayStation and PC, and they love it. So what? Yeah, I actually sent an article over to you. I know that was you kind of got a barrage from me, so I apologize. But he, it, like, there was a there was this very dumb article that uh, I might as well close out with that here. Um, here, so yeah, there was a um, here. So this was his, the quote. Um, it was uh, I pulled this from Kotaku, but there was an interview on Famitsu. Uh, IG in Japan actually translated it. You know, so you know for whatever all that's worth but um we also fully understand the importance of ps5 exclusive titles ryan said as i mentioned earlier playstation studios main responsibility is to make games for the latest playstation hardware their players will enjoy we're increasing the number of pc ps5 exclusive games and staggering the release of the pc versions i often have the opportunity to ask game fans for their opinions and when i ask them how they feel about the time lag they often say they feel the release of a pc version two or three years after the release of the playstation version is acceptable oh it is is acceptable uh okay uh, so that's not i mean they don't love it uh, that's uh, they he's walking around his office asking his employees am i making the right decisions <laughs> yes <laughs> we're not gonna fire you but we might what yeah, do you think about what i did it, it's not I, it's not a terrible decision. In um, the, I have to go to a meeting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry, Jimmy. I'm I'm I'm, I'm late. Okay. Right. Yeah. I I mean, just ew. Like I don't. You know what I mean? Like whatever. Like they go on to you know requote him about the virtuous cycle and stuff. But you know, so whatever. We're not going to see Spider Man two for at least a year after that. Maybe okay. more. So yep, you that's know, fine. Whatever. Um, but a hell of a way to close out the show. It did look amazing. It is absolutely, they made the right choice by buying uh, Insomniac games. That's a terrific looking game. It's, I have to say one thing that was cool. Definitely watch the trailer when you get a chance. Cause it's the last time you'll see it for two years. Um, but, uh, there's a, a really cool, like 
in playing Spider-Man on PC, I, I realized that like as much as I love the traversal in that game, I always want to go farther and faster. And they added like a couple of different ways you can do that in, in this. And I, I was very impressed. I, they like it feels like even more mobility and more more going through the city in a, in a cool way. So um, excited for that. Great way to end the show. Absolutely brought it up a full letter grade from a show that was otherwise kind of middling. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was overall. Uh, I mean, you just can't go wrong with spider-man it, it looks outstanding but but weird weird moments in between and uh, and yeah you're talking about what was that 12 different games in this showcase alone that are xbox coming to xbox as well um a few more that are also coming to pc so um interesting it's not really the playstation foot first that you would think it might be yeah no and like the places where they could really have differentiated uh, you know every time i go to look at vr headsets it's you know some list of the best vr headsets you can buy today and like there's always like every one of these articles dude the best console vr headset and it's always like the psvr2 and that's kind of silly because it's also the only <laughs> console vr headset um so it's always like the best for everybody the MetaQuest, the best for consoles the psvr2 the best for people who like PCs, you know, the Valve Index, or, you know, then they've got like some stupid money bags one. But like, that's where they should be putting their energy. Like, they care about exclusive content. And I'll also let me throw out that if they got their VR headset to be mostly wireless and stream over Wi Fi, then they do that instead of Project Q. Yes. Because Great. even though that's kind of like lame, like you can do like in VR where you like have the fake screen like in the environment, you can kind of play there. Like that would be cool. And they're not, they're not differentiating that. Like one of their exclusives is the Metal Gear Solid trilogy. Mm-hmm. You've got a lot of sequels in here. Um, you've got a lot of smaller indie games. Um, Final Fantasy, which is what it is. But like I'm going through just looking at the stuff that you highlighted is not multi-platform and fair games looks interesting uh mm-hmm. spider-man is a winner uh, but these other games that are exclusives are smaller i mean with the exception mm-hmm. of final fantasy and final fantasy has kind of always been pseudo first party sure so, and i cannot believe that that's not going to come to pc eventually like it's a third party studio right so that bag of money does run out at some point and so it exactly. will absolutely have to at least come to pc if not also eventually uh, xbox yeah so i mean i don't know we will do another one of these in a couple of weeks when we do the microsoft e3 not e3 thing and you know maybe crow when they push Starfield again and don't have mm-hmm. much or maybe it's going to be the same show and they'll just sprinkle in other exclusive maybe. titles in there uh, but yeah. yeah I don't know they seem some of it feels like you know this push for these exclusives and this kind of like business belief on this is because they don't have content and so in the absence of really good unique new content and man when the PS3 came out um well, I forget. So there were a couple of games. Um, the one that was kind of like the fly game that was the first time they showed the motion controls in the Warhawk, control. Yeah. Warhawk. Mm-hmm. And then the um, their version of Gears uh, where you're coming down in the clouds in the first trailer. Like, like Killzone, yeah. Killzone, right? Like, those felt exciting. Those felt yeah. exclusive. And 
with the exception of Spider-Man, which they got because they bought it, like I just don't see the creativity coming out first party. Yeah, I mean, they really shot their shot over these last couple of years. We got our God of War, Ragnarok, right? We got our new, um, what is it called? The uh, Horizon Zero, yeah. or Horizon, not Zero Dawn. What was it called? Horizon Forbidden, Forbidden West. West. Yeah, um, but like, yeah, yeah, as far as the franchise. Yeah. Like, so like, yeah, where are those? Like uh, at this, which is supposed to be a big announcement event. Uh, you know, what should PlayStation owners really be excited for here? Yeah. Yeah, when I look at those ones that are not uh, uh, multi-platform, I really couldn't tell you. I mean, it is Spider-Man this year, but it's nothing else. Like, I don't think Final Fantasy 16 has got that that far reach. I don't think so. I, I feel like that's more niche than they think it is. Like, I don't know that that was worth whatever money they paid. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm sure that it's a feather in their cap for trailers and stuff, but I don't think a lot of people are going to love playing that. Um, you know, but as we talked about before, a lot of people who own PlayStation 5s just end up buying, you know, multi-platform anyway. So maybe it's just the fact that they have PlayStations is enough for them. Um, and they must be doing something right. I mean, their their console business is highly profitable. I, I, it's just uh, this showcase was uh, was a little bit of a drag. If it was not for Spider-Man, I probably would have been like, "Yeesh, guys, you guys got to do something." Like that's a, you know. But it really it was it was well pulled together because that was the note they ended on, and it was the right note to end on for sure. Yeah. Well, um, so thank yeah. you for sitting through that and you know kind of taking studious notes and uh, really fantastic notes like side-scrolling magical mystery tour action game uh third person <laughs> medieval anime action uh, love all of these um but I, I gotta say like it was particularly difficult because i also was doing this on my phone and thumb typing so i'm like trying to do that and look at the trailer and look down and look up and look down and look up and i was like i need a laptop in here this is a bad way to do this love it yeah, no, I, I I think we nailed it. There's some other things I wanted to cover, some more newsy things, but we are knocking on the door of 90 minutes here, so we should probably call it for the day. Yeah, let's call it for the day. We'll uh, we'll come back next week with some uh, some fresh takes, some hot takes, so all the takes, the takes that people need, the takes that people want. Awesome. See you guys then. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs>